Welcome everybody to the Homegrown Podcast from Keep Indiana Learning. I am so thrilled to have everyone listening today because this topic for our episode is so close to my librarian heart. Today we are talking about 10 years of Ditch Sit Week, and I happen to have one of the key voices from CompSense Education who started Digital Citizenship Week 10 years ago, Jennifer E. Holt is here from Common Sense Education. She is the Senior Regional Manager. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, I'm excited to be here. I'm also happy to welcome a dear friend and a colleague. She is the Instructional Specialist with Indiana Online, which just like Keep Indiana Learning, is a department of the Central Indiana Educational Service Center. Hi, welcome Melissa Bardock from Indiana Online. Hi, Lena. Thank you so much for having me. Now, today we are talking Dig Sit Week, but one of the things that I feel like is a powerful conversation because we're looking back at 10 years of Digital Citizenship Week is really where we're headed. And so today on our Homegrown podcast, we're going to be talking about forecasting the next 10 years of digital citizenship. But Jennifer, maybe you could start with a little previously on digital citizenship and Digital Week. Tell us about how it got started, how it's evolved. Give us a little catch up on the last 10 years. Of course, uh, Digital Citizenship Week uh, was really about raising awareness, you know, around what is a digital citizen? What skills are needed? How do you act? How do you respond? How do you represent yourself online? And we have so many resources, so much content for both administrators, teachers, students, you know, educators, parents, um, we needed to find a way to really focus in on sharing all this great stuff. But what's evolved around Digital Citizenship Week, and one of my favorite pieces of it is getting the stories from the classrooms, getting the wins, getting the aha moments around making sure our kids are equipped with the skills and things they need to be a productive, you know, critical thinker, you know, empathetic, you know, conversationist when it comes to all of the things they do on their online spaces. That's really fascinating to think about how it started. Do you have a background in education? Where where is your journey brought you up until this point? Oh, what a journey it has been. I am a former elementary educator, um, left the classroom many, many many years ago, uh, and ever since have been in professional development in the professional development space. So whether that be through career education and now landed at Common Sense, I will be here almost 10 years at Common Sense. So I missed the first uh, Digital Citizenship Week celebration, but I've been around for the past nine. So just really connected to the school districts, teachers, and classrooms to really get an inside look as to how digital citizenship is evolving as technology is evolving. That's really fascinating. Melissa, now I know you have an interesting uh, educational background too. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your journey and what digital citizenship means to you? Sure. I am also a former elementary educator. Um, I stepped into a professional development role, um, leading innovative professional development in all spaces, both virtual and in-person as an innovation specialist and media specialist. So Lena, you and I have the librarian heart in common. 
for me, the digital citizenship perspective is all about how our students and really everyone around us kind of live in a, a daily space. Um, everything we do at this point has some form of digital impact and digital citizenship is really just how to interact and engage and communicate with each other in that digital space on a regular basis. I think that's really huge to think about not only how it impacts the students who are going through our schools and using digital tools to learn and to explore their world in a way that we've never been able to do before, but also as we think about the educators who are serving the needs of this generation of students, the considerations for digital citizenship have changed. Like you mentioned, Melissa, it is no longer really just a digital citizenship week or a, a moment or even something that we only do when we are online because our world is so digital. I think the digital is almost implied now and we can just call this citizenship week at this point because none of the connections that we are really working with the students on are in a vacuum that is purely analog. We are always connecting through our phones, through our tablets, through our devices. Even when we are talking face-to-face, -face, there is that element of the digital world that is always hanging over our conversation topics. What are you engaging with outside of school? How are you communicating with your family in far-flung areas of the country and the world? There is just so much that is tied almost inextricably to digital means and methods. And I think that's kind of where we need to think about as we go into forecasting forward to our next 10 years of digital citizenship. So Jennifer, I wanna start with you with a question. If you had to think about what DigiCit Week looks like today and this year and this week, what would that look like even next year? Do you have like a short-term impact that you feel like is shifting the landscape of DigiCit Week? Of course. I mean, technology we know has, and media have evolved exponentially in the last 10 years. But while we know platforms have changed, right, there's always a platform of the year that everybody grabs onto, and then we move on to the next platform. But essentially, all these platforms are doing the same thing, whether it's a learning platform or a social media platform. It's being connected. It's sharing. Um, but one thing that's not changing is how we show up as humans in these digital spaces, right? Like that's never going to change. We are going to have to continuously build habits and skills to be able to function <laughs> with our society in these spaces. So I get asked a lot, like, what's, what's new? What's new? Like, how's your curriculum changing with the times? I'm, and my answer is you still are teaching all of the skills and dispositions. The scenario might change because we've learned something mm -hmm. new or because there was a new challenge out there, but that's always ongoing. It's how you address it, how you respond to it is what you have to equip yourself with every day, all the time. So with that being said, I think, you know, in a year from now, we can't really predict. I mean, media and technology is changing daily, but what we can do is offer spaces where educators can find a place to talk about these hot topics 
And I think that's most important. And then each year when that comes around, those hot topics sort of get all mushed together into Digicent Week. And we try to offer like, what are the resources that are going to address these hot topics that are top of mind or what are some of the challenges in the classroom? So staying on top of it, believe it or not. And believe me, we try, but who can? (laughs) Well, I think that's really fascinating too, to think about the fact that foundationally the same moves and behaviors and traits and common goals of that citizen, the portrait of a citizen, of a digital citizen, those don't really change. It's about the, the art of gathering together during this week in a way that feels like we are thinking thoughtfully and creative problem solving around whatever it might be that's popped up this year that keeps us coming back to those foundational parts. I think that's so big. Melissa, I might throw it to you to ask, what do you think is gonna be top of mind for the educators? Because you work with a very specific group of educators who are 100% online with students who are 100% online across the state of Indiana. So from metropolitan areas to rural areas, everybody's uh, online in your experience. What do you think is going to be top of mind for them this coming year and in the future? Our immediate future right now is showing a need for collaboration skills with our students, whether that is in a face-to-face environment using a video conferencing platform or through written communication in an asynchronous environment. Um, that need for problem solving. So the teacher may not be standing directly in front of them at one moment. So what are the strategies um, that our learners can use to get the answer that they need, whether that's how to reach out to their teacher or the steps that they can take independently to solve those problems. Those are some of our immediate shifts. We're also seeing a large shift toward inquiry-based online learning and a need for students to have some authentic learning experiences within that online space. So conducting research and evaluating their sources and knowing where the content is coming from, diving into topics that are interesting to them while still learning their standards that are assigned by the state. These are all main focuses and shifts that we're seeing with online learning. So enhancing that creativity, those collaboration skills, and their ability to problem solve. You know, that's really fascinating to think about because of the ever-evolving and creative ways that people are putting out uh, misleading information or doing deep fake stuff and thinking about how do we build savvy consumers of information who see through that or can think cynically about all the things that they come into contact with online, knowing that you can't just assume it's a reputable source because you think it's coming from somewhere that you have previously thought that was reputable. So you can't just look at those .orgs anymore and think that's good enough if it comes from one of those ending site names. And, you know, I think that's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Jennifer, what are the topics that we look at in this week's DigiSit Week resources set you have from Common Sense Education? Um, So, yeah, we have a lot of daily activities set up for the week. So whether you teach K2, grades three through five, middle school, high school, you can download a whole week's plan worth of touching upon topics. So we have question of the day for students. 
Um, we have it built around a 15 minute activity. So you can show a video and then there's two or three questions that you can have a conversation with in your classroom about that particular dilemma they just encountered or the example they just were um, viewing. We also have full-on curriculum. So 45 minute lessons that you can really take a deep dive into and focus on throughout the year to really build that culture of, of digital learning. Um, and then last but not least, we'd always wanna remember our families. Um, that is the biggest connection, the classroom to the families. So being transparent and understanding, hey, we've talked about privacy in our classroom. We talked about how technology makes us feel in the classroom. We've talked about digital footprints and news media literacy and media balance. Here are a bunch of conversation starters. Here are literally activities you could do at the dinner table, no matter what age, to get your family talking about how does it look like in our home versus the classroom. And hopefully it's not much different, right? We all have to think about our balance and how we balance things, you know, whether offline and online. We have to think about how it makes us feel, whether we're gaming, connecting with friends on social media, you know, whatever the, the it is making sure you feel good about all the things you're participating in, in those spaces. And if you're not, what can we do about it? Um, and then just the idea of privacy and oversharing um, as a family and as a classroom, right? When we want to share out as a family, what are our values? What do we think is important to us? What should we share and not share um, when it comes to our family values and also our classroom, our school, we're representing ourselves, our community and our world. So what does that look like? So these activities touch upon all kinds of different topics. I, the thing I like about it is there's something for everyone. So no matter what you teach or how much time you have, I think digital citizenship can be sprinkled throughout your whole week. And I love the idea that so many educators do the aha moments because they tap into these couple of activities and they're like, where can I find more? Like this really impacted, made a difference. I had the kids were lit up, you know, whatever it takes, but I never want it to feel heavy. I want it to feel like just part of your day because at the end of the day, it's about habits. As educators, we have to model and create healthy habits that our students are viewing and we want them to continue with those habits year after year after year. So I think if you can do that here and there, you're doing something. You know, it's really fascinating to hear about all of the resources that you have compiled. And of course, my um, secondary librarian experience that I had as a media specialist at a high school for over a decade one of the things I love to be able to do is take the resources throughout the year. So although you compile them and really feature them during Dig Sit Week this week, they're, they're good 365. Because one of the pieces that is so huge when we're looking at research, especially at that high level, um, college and career readiness level and at secondary, is whether or not they can take those dilemmas, those situations, those aha moments and apply them outside of the classroom. So when you start to sprinkle those in before you start writing essays or you're just starting a research project or you're looking at persuasive writing, argumentative writing, you're looking at your standards for what am my kids going to really find when they go out online and how do I prepare them before they hit the pop pole, before they go down the, the, the rabbit hole and they're, they're deep into something and you realize right away, oh, you did not. Uh, authentically look at the source and whether it was relevant or timely or authentic. Uh, and now you've wasted a couple of weeks on stuff that just is untrue or misleading. So I think it's so key to build in the dig sit throughout the year 
even though this week during Digit Week, we're highlighting all the resources and we kind of celebrate them and spark them out for the new year, they're good all year. They do not have an expiration date. Right? No, they don't. No, they don't. And I know a lot of districts across the country use this week to kick off their whole campaign for the year. So getting everybody involved, at least do something, because this is not a one and done. It can't be because you won't see change with a one and done. Um, and so you have to find ways to keep that conversation going. That's wonderful. And speaking of the conversation, I was looking on Twitter and your hashtags, Digsit wins and Digsit week, they are trending. They are so popular. I've been sharing some of my favorite Digsit wins as I'm talking with teachers and working with schools and, and classrooms. And that's been a lot of fun. Melissa, I don't want to leave you all out in the Indiana online space. Is there anything you've been doing during DigSit Week for your teachers or your students in the online schools? To tie back into what Jennifer was saying earlier about with families, um, we also tried to share out with our families and make that connection with our families of our online learners, as well as providing some resources for our students um, with that DigSit Week on how to continue to be a productive and, and good digital citizenship in their online space with their, their everyday learning. That's really interesting about the families for an all online school experience. What do you feel like is the biggest hurdle that families might have when they transition into an all online experience for their, their learner? That's a great question, Lena. I think that transitioning from that environment that may be outside of their home into an online situation in their home or in a space. One of the biggest hurdles is just having a dedicated space for their, their online learner to be focused, um, to stay engaged in their environment, but to also get up and take a break when it's needed um, to clear their heads and to rejuvenate themselves and come back ready to learn because it does take that time to be in their, their digital learning space, both physically with their bodies and stay focused in the online environment. I think that's an SEL digit tip of the day is sometimes you got to disconnect to be able to reconnect because that's a hard part of living in such a connected world is that sometimes you get overconnected. Jennifer, what are your thoughts about SEL when it comes to Digit week? Well, SEL and digital life in general is, I think, one of those you asked earlier about like the future, you know, and what we really need to wrap our heads around. And I know, again, going back to what I'm seeing in school districts is this digital dilemma, the digital drama. And that can be defined however you want, you know, from FOMO, which means fear of missing out, you know, where friends are inviting friends and leaving somebody out and then posting pictures on social all the way down to, you know, taking a stand on something and understanding perspectives and how to share perspectives, how to be open to perspectives, and then how to respond to something because you have a right to respond and have a, a thought, an idea, you have a right to have an opinion, but you don't have a right to cause hate speech, put others down. Like that's where this whole idea of SEL comes in. So we have an entire, you know, content based of digital dilemmas where we're really trying to get kids to think about their skills and dispositions as it relates to what they're experiencing and involved in. So SEL and digital life, there's always somebody who has 
started it, contributed it, viewed it, shared it. You know, there's different roles and all of these dilemmas and how does that play out and how do we move away from consequence-based to resolving it where everybody feels good about it, learn from it, and what can we do differently next time so we're not back in this dilemma space. Um, And so that has been very well received by middle school and high school in terms of just a hypothetical bank of digital dilemmas to work through. And through a classroom, you know, safe environment, they can actually work through these, what we have as templates, but eventually become routines, right? Because we all know in the classroom, nothing is going to be taught when there's a distraction. And at the middle school and high school, the social media can be a distraction sometimes. And as a teacher, you want to be equipped to say, what's going on? (laughs) We're not note passing anymore, but we're giggling about something that we've just viewed or shared. And so how can we stop and have these teachable moments where every educator feels comfortable about taking that step and saying, who's involved? (laughs) What do we need to do about this? And at the end of the day, if it gets more serious, obviously you pull in the counselor and who's ever um, in that line of of, um, help. But we just, the daily stuff is never going to go away. So let's just teach our kids what to do and what not to do. So yeah, SEL and digital life is, it's a big thing. And I think even as adults, we grapple with it every day, just from what we're seeing and how we respond to things that we're passionate about and, you know, that deals with our work or our family. Um, And so we've got to model that too, right? We've got to figure out how do you pause and think and before you speak, because you can't take it back. We know that you just can't take anything back that's already out there. So be mindful. That's huge. And I really appreciate the way that the resources that are online for Digit Week from Common Sense Education really look at the whole perspective from the families to the kids, to the schools, to the teachers, because one of the things that I thought was really fascinating in your little live stream that you have on our Keep Indiana Learning YouTube channel from earlier in Digit Week where are your digital dilemmas and really thinking through how those look and going through those scenarios. I thought those were so well done. If you haven't had a chance, if you're listening and you haven't had a chance to go check out Jennifer's little 20 minute live stream on our YouTube channel from Digit Week, please go to our YouTube channel. Um, it was really fun to chat with you on Monday as well. Well, ladies, I feel like we're wrapping up the end. So I want to give you both a chance to leave us with one thought that you have as an essential piece of Digit Week. Maybe something we haven't talked about yet that is passionate in your space and, and round out our conversation today. So Melissa, we're going to start with you. What do you think is something to leave us with? I think communication is key regardless of which part of Digit you're really focusing on communicating with between educators, from student to student, with the families, just keeping that open line of communication so that everyone is aware of what's going on and in the know and sharing ideas for new strategies so that we can all continue to move forward for the next 10 years. I think it's taking responsibility for everything that we're doing in our classrooms. The minute you open or turn on a device, you've just become responsible for digital citizenship. Um, And so just getting yourself comfortable to start somewhere with the conversation. If you're new, you know, try a song together, you know, try an activity together and find ways to, to keep your, your students, 
you know, engaged and safe ways. Um, so that goes back to just modeling, you know, modeling and being open-minded and, you know, putting this content wherever you find it necessary because it's not going away, right? We're, we're always going to be connected in some space. And so the more we do now, the better off we'll be in 10 years, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, well, thank you both so much. That is so key. And I really appreciate the work that everybody in this space and our online spaces is doing this week and all the weeks around digital citizenship. Thank you both for being on the Keep Indiana Learning Homegrown Podcast. It has been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Keep Indiana Learning Homegrown Podcast. It really helps us if you rate, review, like, and share our podcasts with those who you think would also like to join the conversation. We're also always looking for podcast guests and contributors to Keep Indiana Learning. Visit us at keepindianalearning.org to find out more. Keep Indiana Learning is a department of the Central Indiana Educational Service Center. We invest in educators to transform student learning. Hey, Keep Indiana Learning listeners, I'm Courtney Flesner, a professional learning specialist. I've spent the past 25 years of my educational career deepening my understanding of the very best ways to meet the needs of students, because I believe that every child should have the opportunity to learn. Over the years, I've discovered a lot about teaching, but you know what I found deep in my soul? Math. If only my ninth grade algebra teacher could see me now. I've settled on a mission to help students and teachers realize we are all math people. We can teach math in ways that are so compelling. Not only can we change the narrative of math isn't really my thing, we might even have a little fun while doing so. In each episode of Math and Other Things, we will highlight a topic in schools and or the world of mathematics, include thoughts, suggestions, stories, and anecdotes from educators in the field, higher education, or perhaps other educational thought leaders, and hopefully leave you inspired to make a baby step in your own classroom or school. We'll talk about math, but we'll also talk about other things because the teaching and learning of mathematics does not live in a world by itself. It's using what we know about how children learn, how schools are organized so every child can be successful, and who we are as educators and individuals that makes us the very best teachers we can be even in mathematics. So join me as I embark on this journey of bringing the idea of the podcast, Math and Other Things, to life. Our first episode launches this spring where I'm joined by my favorite math educator, someone we all know and love, Ryan Flesner. We hunkered down in Studio B at Keep Indiana Learning where he helped me share my story of how I shockingly became a math person. He's the perfect co-host for this episode because it's likely if I hadn't been married to him, I'd probably still be living in the world where I'm not a math person. Trust me, you don't want to miss this.